Our scripture reading comes from 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 10. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and the good teachings you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me once again this morning? Father, your word and the passage that was read this morning commended Timothy for being one who was nourished, who was trained up in the words of the faith and in good doctrine. Father, we pray that this morning you would root us deeply in the words of the faith and in good doctrine, that you would build us strongly and firmly on Christ, our solid rock. Father, I have a lot of words, but my words are vapor. They are weightless. Father, we pray that you would put your words in my mouth, and I would be speaking your words this morning. And I pray that through your Spirit, your people would be hearing and applying those words deep to their heart. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, begin this morning with a question. question is, where do you go for training? Now, obviously, that depends on what kind of training you're looking for, right? Uh, you probably wouldn't go to MIT to be trained in ballet, right? It, you probably shouldn't go to IU to be trained in small engine repair. It's not the specialty of IU. Go to a different school for that. So when I was trained as a lifeguard, I went to the YMCA for lifeguard training. Actually, it was the YWCA. When I was trained as a pastor, I went to seminary. So where do you go to be trained in the Christian life? And the answer is the church. Uh, This week, this morning, we're continuing our series, The Community of Christ, and considering the church, the community of Christ, as a training ground, as a place where you're equipped to live the Christian life. And we're looking at these words from the Apostle Paul to a young pastor named Timothy, but they're words that apply to us some 2,000 years later as the church. As we look at these words this morning, uh, I want to kind of frame the conversation, the discussion, by with three images. Three images that I think will help us kind of wrap our minds around three different aspects of training that happen here in the church. And the first image is that of a classroom. Let me read again just first verse 6 of First Timothy, and I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. What was read earlier was the NIV, and there's a slight difference. I'll point that out in a minute. 
Paul says, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Uh, One of the words that's different there is nourished or trained. The, The version that Steve read said nourished, the ESV says trained, but they're getting at the same idea. It's being nourished up, trained up, reared even, in the words of faith and in sound doctrine. What comes to mind when I think about you know, that kind of imagery is the movie Goodwill Hunting and Matt Damon's character and how he was, his brain, his mind was nourished by these professors who took them under their wing and he was kind of trained up to be this, you know, math elite trained up being nourished in the words of faith and good doctrine. What does that mean? Let's unpack that for a minute. Certainly the words of faith would include the words of Jesus himself, right? The parables he told, the sermons he preached, his interactions with his disciples, certainly his prayers, the red letters of the Bible. But it would include much, much more than just the red letters of the Bible. All those words in black from the prophets and the apostles are are just as important as Jesus' words. They're just as much the word of God as the words that came from Jesus' own lips. Being trained up and, and taught in the words of faith and in sound doctrine meant being taught about who Jesus was. The the doctrines regarding his person, his work, his ministry, and what that meant for the early Christians and what it means for us. And being trained up in sound doctrine also meant Timothy was able to identify and and uncover false doctrine that would lead people astray and that was useless and, and destructive. So he was to be trained in the good words and in sound doctrine But doctrine doesn't come to us, at least originally, in systematic theology books. I I love systematic theology books. They're my favorite. I've got a shelf full of them. I'm not dissing systematic theology books, but that's not how theology came to us originally. It comes embedded in a story. So growing in the words of the faith, growing in sound doctrine means understanding the story that starts in a garden and ends in a city, the new Jerusalem. It's the story of creation and fall and redemption and new creation. Being trained up in the faith means understanding that story and how we fit into it. Being trained up in the words of faith and sound doctrine also means... Learning the lingo. Learning the jargon. There's lots of jargon that we use week in and week out as part of the church, as part of the Christian community. Words that you don't use outside a church very often, right? Sanctification. Justification. One of my favorites, propitiation. Those aren't words you throw around at work very often. Being trained up in the words of faith means... Coming to understand, that's important language because it's biblical language. What does it mean? And it helps us kind of 
identify with one another as, as a community. If you go to any kind of community, right, surfers have their own jargon. Skaters have yet different. Baseball players have lawyers and bankers. They've got lingo. They've got words that are kind of insider language. And being trained up in the faith means coming to understand that language. In essence, this image of classroom, it's meant to help us understand that being trained up in the faith, that the church is an equipping ground for how to think like a Christian. I anticipate there's probably three reactions to that, the image of a classroom and being trained to think as a Christian. Uh, The first is those who are really excited. They loved school. They loved the class. They ran to the front and took the first seat in the first row. They're, They're like the plant in Little Shop of Horrors. Feed me, Seymour. Feed me. They want more, more, more. They are theology nerds. They are my people. (laughs) But there is a danger we need to be aware of that a hunger for knowledge can turn into curiositas. Sounds like curiosity. Curiosity is a good thing when you want to know. Curiositas is a a morphing of that, a bending of that, a, a twisting of it. Where, where we seek knowledge simply for the sake of knowledge. Or, or we seek knowledge so that we can be known as the one who's in the know. Who knows stuff. Or, or we seek knowledge to use it as power over people. Sometimes we as Christians can treat theology or doctrine as a, a field of inquiry to be mastered. When we ought to treat theology and doctrine as truths that should master us. The second group, when I use the imagery of a classroom, groaned. Don't like school. Theology sounds dry and boring. Maybe you worry it's over your head. I think Bob's challenge last week was perfect. All theology ought to be practical. It ought to change how we think, how we feel, how we live. So that makes it not boring when it's practical. Bob's words last week that all theology should kind of move towards practice, I think was a challenge to us pastors to make sure we're doing that work in our sermons. It's a challenge to ACG teachers and small group leaders. I'd like to make it a challenge to you also. Don't just let theology that you're you're taking in just sit there. If it wasn't applied, ask the questions yourself. How does that truth about the Trinity impact my day tomorrow? How do I live that out? Don't stop until you're asking those questions. Because yes, theology will be boring if we don't make it practical. And I would also say, I would add to that, theology will be boring if we don't appreciate the beauty of these truths. These truths aren't just practical. They're they're, they're beautiful. They're they're mystery that we're peering into. 
The Apostle Peter says angels long to look into these things that have been revealed to us. Peer and see the beauty. The third reaction, frankly, some people may be bristled. Consider doctrine or theology a a hindrance to knowing God. And they might say, you know, Christianity is about relationship with Jesus, and theology or doctrine just gets in the way. And I would say, absolutely, Christianity is about relationship with Jesus. But who's Jesus? Jesus, the incarnate Son of God? Well, that's theology. Jesus, the one who died as a propitiation, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins? Well, that's theology. Christianity has never been a contentless faith. The relationship that we cherish is grounded in truths about God and what he has done. And that's theology. So enter this relationship, cherish this relationship, and the truths that will make it possible. That's the first image, the image of a classroom. And that implies a sense of passivity. I get that. You know, being filled with knowledge. The second is much more active taking that knowledge and using it to develop Christian character or godliness. And the second image is of a boxing gym. Listen again to what Paul says to Timothy. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, and I've never been so tempted to disagree with Paul in my life, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Godliness isn't something that we as Christians just fall into. Godliness requires hard work. It requires discipline, training, sweat, and often tears of repentance and grief. Can be hard as you learn to live this new life. In high school, I grew a lot rapidly. My nickname in junior high was Fivel, which was the little mouse in the cartoon American Tale, because I was tiny. But I grew a foot in a year, six inches in one summer, and I had to learn to be in my body again. I was awkward. I had been a diver and I had gotten pretty good, but I had to learn how to do all these simple things over again. Because I had a new body. Christianity is very much like that. You weren't given a new body yet when you became a Christian, but a new mind and a new will and a new heart with new affections. You have to learn, you have to be trained in how to live in this mind and heart and will. And the church is the place that teaches you, that equips you, that trains you to do that. The word godliness that is used here 
At its root, it refers to reverence and awe. At its root, it refers to reverence and awe. And it implies a, a worship that befits that awe and a life of active obedience that befits that, that reverence. So in light of these great gospel truths, in light of who God is as holy and loving and kind, in light of all those things, how do we worship? How do we live? That's godliness. And the church is the equipping ground for godliness, where we're taught how to fight. Taught how to fight against sin and temptation, uh, against the flesh. Currently, I'm reading a book about St. Augustine, not by him, but about him. And one of the things I love about Augustine is his realism when it comes to living the Christian life. He doesn't view it as immediate triumph. He says, conversion doesn't take you to the final destination immediately. It's not arrival at the end of the journey. It's not your best life now. Christianity, conversion, is enlistment in a battle. It's taking up an arduous journey where there's robbers to waylay you and ditches to fall into, hazards along the way. Conversion or baptism, he says, isn't the end of the fight against the flesh. In fact, coming to Christ is the beginning of this fight against the flesh. Before coming to Christ, the things of the flesh were just normal to us. We didn't fight against them. But now, as new creatures in Christ, we're engaged in this war, in this battle, and the church is the training ground where we learn how to fight against sin and temptation, where we learn how to fight against the rut that the world kind of wants to force us into. Romans 12 was the passage Bob spoke from last week. It says, don't be conformed to this world. This world wants to force us into a way of living, into a, a, a rut, and you have to fight to get out of that rut and, and live a different way as a Christ follower. It's also where you're, the church is where you're taught how to fight for godliness, taught to discipline yourself to love. Love isn't easy. It doesn't come natural. It requires discipline. We are trained to be self-forgetting. Where you're equipped with eyes to see need that maybe you didn't see before. All this is very similar to what Paul said to another young pastor missionary, Titus. In Titus 2.12, he says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we await our blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This image of a boxing gym and being trained how to, how to fight, it's meant to kind of encapsulate the idea that we need to be trained, and the church is the training grounds for how to act like a Christian. The third image 
is of a vocational school where we're taught hands-on skills, how to work, how to do. This isn't explicit in the passage that we're looking at this morning, but I think it's explicit all over the New Testament. For example, in the second letter that Paul writes to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16, he says, All Scripture is God-breathed. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correcting, for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The church is the place where we're taught to do good works, and it's the venue in which we, we practice doing good works, where we live out the one another's of Scripture. Greet one another, love one another, bear with one another, encourage one another. We do this in community together, practicing to do the work of the Christian life. Paul says in Ephesians 4, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And it's in the church that we practice and we're trained and equipped To do this, we learn how to work as a Christian. Those are the three images, classroom, boxing gym, and vocational school. But let me end with three practical encouragements, three practical applications, because we've said we need to push towards practical, right? These are going to be easy to remember because alliteration. They all begin with P. First, Be present. Be present in community on Sunday mornings with the people of God. There's a lot of things you can learn from a book, but there's some things you can't. Frankly, I don't think you can learn karate from a book. You can try. I don't think you can do it. You can't learn how to love people well from a book. You have to be with people. You have to be in community to be equipped, to be trained, to practice how to love and how to do good. We have to be in community to spur each other on because it's not easy to live the Christian life. My wife gets so mad at me. Um, As much as I hate and am undisciplined when it comes to exercise, she is the reverse. Five days a week, she's going to the gym. She's regimented, she's disciplined. But sometimes she'll say, I don't want to go back out to the gym tonight. And I will say, well then don't. (laughs) Stay home on the couch. And she gets mad. She's like, no, encourage me to do it. It's good for me. I should. You know, in the Christian life, I play the role of the world that says, no, don't pursue holiness. Don't worry about it. Take the day off from godliness. And we need people around us in community present with us who will say, no, press on. Do the hard work. Spend another day on your knees in prayer for that thing that is a good thing. Be present in community. 
Uh, the second P is patient. Be patient. The fruit of godliness doesn't come overnight. And in fact, I think the more you're growing to know God, it might feel like you're regressing because you get exposed to your sin all the more. The fruit of godliness doesn't come overnight. But be patient. Trust the process. So much of learning that happens in the church and in the Christian community, in Christian living, you don't even know you're learning it. It's more caught than taught. Do you remember the movie, The Karate Kid? When Daniel LaRusso first starts his training with Mr. Miyagi, and he's sanding the floor, and he's painting the fence, and painting the house, and waxing the cars, and he doesn't know he's learning how to do karate. It's a great image of learning in the church. Sometimes it's obvious, oh, I just learned something I didn't know. But your character, even when you can't put a finger on, oh, that sermon, that Sunday taught me this thing, your character has been shaped, it's been formed by hearing the word of God, by witnessing the visible sermons of communion and baptism. It's been shaped in community. Parents, even when your kids, when you ask them, hey, what'd you learn today? Nothing. They did. They did. They were with the people, learning how to be the people of God. Be patient with the process. And the third thing, be proactive. Don't be passive, be proactive. Take advantage of opportunities. Engage in Sunday morning worship. Not passively, actively. Be proactive. Take advantage of ACGs or small groups or youth group or children's ministry. Be proactive in equipping yourself in being trained in the words of the faith and in sound doctrine. It will have a payoff in your life. At Christ Community Church, we often refer to ourselves as a receiving, equipping, and sending church. You take that middle word out and the whole process breaks down. You don't send, receive people and just send them back out without equipping them. We take this very seriously that we want to equip people to live the Christian life so that when people see us living, they will turn and give praise to our Father who is in heaven. Would you pray with me? Father, we do pray that you would Find us diligent in this task of equipping and being equipped. That you would produce the fruit in our life. That you would produce, lead us to those good works that you have prepared for us in advance to do. So that people will see the fruit in our lives and give praise to you. We thank you for the privilege we have of being a part of it. In Jesus' precious name, amen.